I have to admit, this is the first time I've ever preached in an African safari, so I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, Hunter sent me a text last night. He came up to, to rehearse a little bit, and he said, man, the decorations will really scare you if you don't know that they're there and you turn the lights on. <laughs> so uh, good stuff there. But VBS is going to be an incredible week. Amen? Amen? We are so looking forward to just sharing the Word of God with as many children as walk through those doors. We're excited. we got about 90 that are pre-registered, and we still got them, we got them coming in. we got a few more this morning. We're just going to have an incredible time this week. And if your children are not signed up or your neighbor's children are not signed up, let me encourage you, be here tonight, 6 p.m. We're going to do a kickoff party. It's going to be amazing, and it's a good way to get signed up. It's a good way for everybody to kind of see you, get a little taste, sample of what's going to what's going to happen this week, and God is just going to be doing some incredible things. So you guys join us tonight at 6 p.m. Even if you don't have children, come hang out with us and see what God wants to do this week and just begin to pray for us even now by all the things that he's going to do. It's just going to be simply, simply incredible. I want to ask you a question. Has anybody ever like been on a, maybe a mountaintop or a plateau where you could look down at a prairie or, or a coming storm? You ever done that before? I mean, there is, it's kind of beautiful when you can kind of see the storm in the distance and you can see it kind of build up and maybe you even see the lightning come out and you can, you can really just begin to feel the effects. Um, I mean, when I was a high school, high school senior playing quarterback at, for Grace King High School in Metter, Louisiana, we took our team pictures on a day that it stormed. And I just remembered that when we were flipping through all the guys' pictures, we literally put them in a, an order in which they were taken, and we did the little flip, you know, when you drew pictures. Because in the background, unbeknownst to us, is a storm. So every picture, the storm just kind of made its way to the side. And in pictures, we got to see this storm approaching. Maybe that was an indication that how our season was about to go. Because <laughs> I think we only won two games that year. So, And uh, I sat the bench. I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. But Callie and I went to Dallas Baptist University, and it is on kind of the west side of Dallas, and it overlooks Grand Prairie, Texas, where Callie and I lived. And, and we went to the, the student center there often. We would be able to get on the back kind of the patio area because that was the best place to watch storms. As you kind of sit above the rest, you can see the storm, it's beauty, you can see the winds, you can see the clouds, you can see the rain kind of tumble, you got rainbows occasionally. It was just incredible to watch nature at its finest. But here's the trick. Isn't nature so much prettier when it's not your storm to deal with? I mean, nobody sat in a thunderstorm that came right over your house and shook your house and made your dogs bark to the ends of the earth and cats going crazy and whatever else. And some of y'all been through some real traumatic storms even here in Nashville just a few years ago. When it's your storm, it's not as funny and it's not as, it's not as glamorous and not as awe-inspiring. kind of changes the tone a little bit, right? When we get into Mark chapter 4, we're going to begin to kind of see a shift in the disciples because up till now, all the miracles that had been performed had been performed right in front of them, but they were not directly to those men. These guys had followed Jesus for a little while now, and they had really just begun to, to see and begin to sense the ministry that Jesus wanted to do and he was about to do. They had watched miracles, and it had happened in other people's lives, and they were celebrating and no doubt excited, and their faith was growing. But they really hadn't had that moment where it happened to them. And so as we get in Mark chapter 4, that's where we're going to be today. We're going to start in verse 35. As we get into this, I want you to understand that things, when, when it doesn't happen to us, don't impact us until it affects us. 
And sometimes when our faith, we watch things around us and we think, oh, man, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. And then we get in those moments of what we say is incredible, and then we get panicked. Because, wait, hold on, what's about to happen to me? What am I about to go through? What am I about to experience? What, what, is, what is about to happen to my family, to my job, to, to my situation? And then we kind of we wig out a little bit, don't we? But I want you to see a moment in Scripture where God used a miracle to change the lives of the disciples and begin to teach us in the midst of this as we get into it. So let's start in Mark chapter 4 and start in verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let's go cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took them along, and they took him along since he was in the boat. The other boats were also with him. Then a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped, and he was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. So they woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we are about to die? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Then he turned and said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And 41, he says, and they were terrified, and they began to ask one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? For so long, the disciples had watched Jesus do some miracles to other people, but this was the miracle that got to happen to them. This is a miracle that not only changed their lives, I mean, literally it saved their lives, because had they been in a storm much longer, who knows what would have happened? But it also began to give them a miracle to see the power of Jesus. Because in their eyes, it's one thing if Jesus heals somebody that's sick. It's one thing if Jesus heals somebody that's lame. But now nature in all of its glory is now responding to the power of Jesus. And this is a great change for them. Naturally, my first reaction would be the title of the sermon saying, Who is this? Who am I with? And I might have jumped out of the boat anyway. Because that would have just probably scared me. But here in this moment is a situation where the disciples grew in their faith, they grew in their understanding of who Jesus was, and they grew as men and women of the glory and gospel of Jesus Christ. Because remember, it's not just the disciples in this moment. Did you notice where it said there are other boats there too? There are other people around. This isn't just for those particular 12. So as I, think about, as I was thinking about this situation, I was thinking about the scriptures, one of the things that really stood out to me is they're on the sea and they're going from place point A to point B. But these are the same seas that these men had fished almost their entire lives. They knew this, this sea, this body of water, they knew it backwards and forwards. They knew when to leave and when not to leave, when the tide was good, when the tide was bad. When a storm was coming, this is what we need to do. And yet in this moment, it says they were so terrified, they were afraid they were going to die. For, for seasoned, experienced fishermen, this must have been quite the storm. And some of us, that's our situation where it, we've been through some storms, but some things happen to us and it really begins to shake us. This was a storm for them. This was something that we have to deal with. I want to remind us, though, in these situations, some of the things that you and I go through, I want you to understand you're not going to be the first person to go through that situation and you're probably not going to be the last. But this may be the first time you get to go through it with Jesus. And that's a game changer. For some of us, the difference in the storms and the situations that we find ourselves in, the difficulties and, and things that we face is not what we're going through. It's who we're bringing with us into that situation. And so for this first time, for the disciples in the first time in their life, they realized that they needed Jesus more than anything else. And they had some questions and they had some doubts and they had some frustrations. But Jesus was about to answer all of those. 
We have got to find those things in our lives, those things that are really tough. Think about a situation you're in right now, something you're facing. Think about it right now. I have to ask you, have you truly allowed Jesus to be with you in that moment? Have you truly asked Jesus to come and to be the leader of that situation? Or have you been trying to hold the reins and tell Jesus what you're about to do? Man, that's a tough question even I have to ask myself. Because those are the times where I find like I'm, I feel like I'm the disciples. I'm trying to steer this ship into a storm that I know I can't handle. Forgetting that the whole time Jesus is right there. And I need to go to him before I start going to do my thing. And that's where we begin to find ourselves this morning. So I want to start with us thinking about this. Take Jesus everywhere. When you think about your situations... When you think about your life, the situations that you're in, the places that you go, the people that you hang out with, can Jesus be found in every place of your life? When you think about when you go to work and you think about some of the the conversations that happen around the water cooler, when you go hang out with your buddies and you go, it doesn't matter what they're doing, but is Jesus going with you? Because we oftentimes will find ourselves in situations that may not be fun and may not be what we should say biblical or godly. But that doesn't matter what the situation is. Am I bringing Jesus with me so I have the light of Christ to shine? In these moments, sometimes the disciples, in this particular moment, the disciples forgot that in the boat is Jesus. And it's really funny because as you look at the scriptures, look at it again. On verse 35 and 36 specifically. It says, on that day when evening had come, he told them, he being Jesus, this was his idea to get in the boat and go across the sea. Jesus said, let's go across to the other side. So they left the crowd. And then notice in 36, they took him along because he was already in the boat. Were they going to leave him behind? You didn't realize who asked you to go and you didn't realize who jumped in the boat with you. Disciples, you've got to realize that we have got to take Jesus everywhere. Because truth be told, Jesus is already supposed to be leading the way anyway. As you think about your situations in your life and some of the things that really have struggled, you have struggled with through the past, the present, maybe even some of the things that you can see on the horizon, ask yourself this question, where was Jesus? Is Jesus here? Am I following Jesus? Because Jesus needs to be everywhere we go. I would tend to think that You know, we would be able to see in those moments that, hey, Jesus is with us. It'll be just fine. But sometimes I forget that I'm losing sight of who Jesus is and where Jesus is. Don't look at the Bible and be like, oh, well, these guys should have had this figured out. They had Jesus in the boat. They lived this moment. I think Jesus became more than than a friend. He became God and Lord at this moment. Because up until then, they were casual. They were getting to know one another. They had seen Jesus. They were liking him. He was a teacher. Mark tells us that. Some were calling him rabbi. The relationship was growing. But I think in this particular moment, Jesus went from being an acquaintance to a friend to really, truly being the Lord of their lives. And maybe some of us, that's where the difference in us. We can't take Jesus everywhere because Jesus is not the Lord of our hearts. Our life is not in his hands. And so for us to take Jesus everywhere means that Jesus has got to start with us. And he's got to be right here in my heart, in my life. He's got to be in my thoughts, in my feelings, in my attitudes, my words, my actions. Not that I just pick him up on Sunday, put him on, put a nice little bow on him, make it look good, come on, sing songs, woo, and go home. But that every step I take, 
Jesus is right there with me. He needs to be there. For us to trust in Jesus means that sometimes we have to step in the boat. Sometimes we have to look and say, well, Jesus, where are you leading? And i got to go in that direction. If I'm in control, I'm going to fail. If I'm in control, the situation will not go well. If I have to have it my way, it's not going to go well. Follow Jesus and get into whatever adventure that he wants to set out with you on. Because I promise you, it will be the greatest adventure of your life. Are there going to be tough days? You bet. Are there going to be some real tough situations that you're going to have to walk through? Yeah. But there's also some blessings. There's also those moments of excitement, enthusiasm. Because I promise you, when the kids start walking through that door tomorrow, I'm going to be one of the most enthusiastic people in this church because I'm so excited about what God gets to do. And hopefully by the end of the week, those children are coming to know Jesus in a way that they didn't when they walked in the door. We want them to take Jesus everywhere they go. So wherever Jesus is, let's go there. The disciples didn't know what Jesus would stretch, how he would stretch their faith in this moment. And sometimes that's the question for us. All right, I don't, Jesus, if I go with you and I take you, no surprises. Anybody? No, don't raise your hand. We don't want you, we don't want to turn this into therapy here. But that's what we do. We say, Jesus, I want to go to the ends of the earth. I want to go all these places. I want to do all these great things for you, but no surprises. God, in fact, if you could fit into this little box here, that would be great. I'm telling you right now, if to take Jesus everywhere, you take the clamps off, you take the borders off, you take the, the list of boundaries and rules and rights and regulations that you want to place before him, and you just live free and let Jesus do whatever Jesus needs to do. And then watch how he does it. A couple years ago, I got to preach the same text in a message that was a little different than this, so I don't want you to think I cheated and wrote the same sermon twice. But we were preaching about this, and the, and, the, and the question that came up is the question that is often asked because of this scripture. It's when the disciples turn to him and say, Jesus, do you even care? Jesus, do you even care? Jesus always cares. But can we see it? Jesus always loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you, but can you see it? Verse 37, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat, so the boat was already being swamped. 38, he was in there sleeping on the cushion. He woke. Teacher, don't you care? I wonder why our first reaction sometimes is to ask Jesus, Jesus, apparently you don't love me. Apparently you didn't get the memo that you were supposed to do everything that I said. Why don't you care about me, Jesus? Why don't you love me? If we're all... If we're all being honest with one another. We've all had this moment. And I think some of the things are trying to think, sitting there, like, why do we go back to this? One, because I think we try to control things that are not in ours. or things We're trying to control things which are not ours to control. We're trying to be the Lord of our lives, and we need Jesus to be the Lord, because the last time I was the Lord of my life, it did not go well. I just told you that. The second thing is sometimes my focus is on me, not Jesus. I wonder why Jesus doesn't care because the only person I'm focused on is myself. The disciples turn around and say, do you even care that we're about to die? The question is, guys, did you, when you said we're and you used the word we, that pronoun, were you thinking the 12 of us and Jesus, the 12 of us, Jesus, and all these people in the boats around us, or were you thinking about yourselves? And I don't want you to answer that question too quickly. 
Because I think sometimes, and I have to be truly honest with you so you can be honest with me, in those moments when I wonder if Jesus really cares, that's a selfish question. That's not a religious Jesus question. That's not a growing my discipleship question. That's a selfish question. Jesus, do you care about me? Do you love me? Is there anything that shows me that you love me? Can I direct your eyes for just a second? Would you all follow me? You can either look to, the, to my left, your right, or you can look to my right, your left, or if you're in the mezzanine, you turn right over there. Do you see this symbol? Every time you see the symbol of the cross, you know that Jesus cares for you. You know that Jesus loves you. You know that Jesus has given his every drop of blood for you, for me, for the people around us, for this entire globe. So in those moments, and I had to remind myself, like, Scott, when you have those moments and you just wonder, is Jesus even listening, go look at the cross. Because I'm pretty sure Jesus has been listening your entire life. You just didn't realize it. And I want to share with some scriptures and very familiar. So listen to these verses and see if you can hear scriptures, some very familiar to you, if you can hear, feel, or see that Jesus and God care about you. Let's start with one of our favorites that shows up at every baseball, football, hockey, whatever. Every game you can think of, there's somebody at the end or the camera shot. John 3.16. For God so loved the world in this way that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God so what? Loves the world. And you're a part of it. God cares for you. I look at what the words that God gave to Jeremiah in 29.11. Very familiar passage to us. It was, I think it was everywhere in our university. Part of that passage says this. It says, I know the plans that I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Does a God and a Jesus that doesn't care, are they going to give us plans for a future and a hope? Are they going to love us and not lead us to disaster? Only a loving, true God, only a King Jesus would love us enough to lead us not into disaster, but lead us into hope, lead us into a future. And then finally, I love that verse that Justin shared with us last week. I've been kind of sitting on it all week as it just continues to, to really stir in my heart. He led us to Hebrews 12, 28. And it says this, it says, therefore, since we have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. So God loves me so much that he let his own son come to be the sacrifice for me, for you, for all of us. For God loves me so much and cares for me. His declaration is, I'm not going to lead you in disaster, but I'm going to lead you into hope to give you a future. Not only that, I have a plan. And if you, if you inherit the kingdom, if you accept my son as Lord and Savior of your life, then you are partly also receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Though disaster may strike and bad things happen all around you, my kingdom cannot be shaken. Disciples, while the storm is tough and the waves are coming in, you are with Jesus, and you will not be shaken. Now you're starting to see, hopefully, that moment of going from friend to Lord. Are we beginning to get that ourselves? David McKenna, who is a 
author of a commentator on Mark chapter 4 said this. It's an excellent encouragement. And it really gives us a description of who Jesus is. So pay attention to these words here. Get them, look them on the screen as we read them. But focus here just a minute on Jesus. He who is the word by which all things were made has no reason to fear storm. He who foresees the making of a new heaven and a new earth sleeps with the knowledge that nature's peevish outburst can, can be controlled by its maker. You know what that tells me? Who is this? This is Jesus. And by his name, everything, everything is in his control and in his hands. You know that situation you're walking through that's rough and you can't see out of it and you can't see past it and you can't see how it's going to end for good? You can't see anything about it? That situation's in the hands of Jesus. You know that real tough thing that you really, I mean, it's eating inside of you and it's like, you know, that knot's kind of growing inside your chest right here. You know that feeling? That's in the hands of Jesus. You know that situation where you can see it coming down the road and you know it's not going to end well? That situation's in Jesus. All the things that you can possibly imagine are under his control. So for us, the way that we can really begin to, to steer this thing is we have to change the nature of our fear. Fear in the, in, the, in, the, in the dictionary has multiple meanings. And there are really two sides of fear. The first one is the one that we're most familiar with, and it is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. I really do like that last little part, anticipation or awareness of danger. The only problem with that is perception. That's my perception, and that's my vantage point, but not Jesus. See, when we get afraid, I think the disciples, they felt this. They felt that sudden awareness, that emotion, really overwhelming anticipation, awareness of certain death. That's what they felt. When we fear, we fear things because, once again, we're gaining control. Like, I can't, I, I, I can't see. All the eyes, selfish. You seeing what, we're, seeing what we're saying here? Fear is often selfish because now it's, it's about what's going on with me. Here's my situation. But in this moment, we know this, that Jesus changed everything when he got a part of this situation. Look at verse 38 in Mark chapter 4. So they woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care? We are about to die. We're going to die. Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, silence, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you, not still have, do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Can you imagine that moment where Jesus pops up from the nap? Anybody ever woken a, a sleeping bear or known as a parent when you were a kid from their Sunday afternoon nap? <coughs> I did one time change the channel from sports to something else, and my dad went right back to golf. Not a pleasant situation sometimes. In those moments, do you remember the faces of those individuals? Man, they were mad. Why in the world did you wake me up? I, I get mad when my dogs wake me up. Because my dog, all of a sudden, at like 7 a.m., it's time to go. Georgia, it's 7 a.m. to you, but it's, I got a little more time to sleep, especially on Saturdays. I think Jesus probably woke up and got a little mad. 
That's, that's my, there's no, there's no commentary, there's no scripture. This is Scott Matthews' interpretation of scripture. Be careful you don't buy the whole translation. <laughs> but I think Jesus gets mad and he wakes up going, have these guys learned nothing? So before he says anything to them, he wakes up and tells the wind and the sea, be still. Some of your, some of your translations say, peace, be still. Either way, the game changed. And the disciples went from fear like I'm about to die to a fear that's like, wait a minute, who is this guy? But not in a weirded out, he's an alien, let's get out of here. But in an all respect and inspirational type of fear. Fear that the, the other side of the definition in the dictionary says profound reverence and awe, especially towards God. That's the type of fear that we need to develop in our faith with Jesus Christ. You know, when situations happen, and we can, we can try to put ourselves in this situation like, well, if I was in the boat, this is what I would have done. And if I was the disciples, I would have said this and not been made Jesus mad. But we weren't in that boat, and that is not our situation. Our situations are completely different, but the fear can be the same. Am I fear that something bad's about to happen, or am I in respect and awe that God's about to show up and do something awesome? When you have those situations in your life and you are certain that things are about to go bad, then bring Jesus in and say, Jesus, I need you to take control of this because I think it's going to go bad. But I know you and I have faith in you and I'm growing in our relationship. And I know that whatever I put in your hands will always turn out for good. Jesus, will you take over? And truth be told, we should have started there. But in the midst of your situation, that's an excellent prayer for today. Jesus, I've tried to do it on my own, but now it's your turn. And I need you to control this situation. And you need to change the fear from, oh, my gosh, the world is about to end to, oh, my goodness, I forget. I am standing with Jesus. I get to be with Jesus. I have God in my corner. This is going to go fine. I don't have anything to worry about. It, the world could crumble around me, but I've got Jesus. I'm fine. Do You know, some of you, that may be the difference maker for you and how you outlook on life. We have the, the Debbie Downers and, and all that, like, oh, man, here it comes again. I'm just waiting. We're always waiting for that shoe to drop. We're always waiting for the bad thing to happen. What if we changed our approach and said, man, what's Jesus going to do today? Because it's going to be awesome. What's Jesus going to do next week? Because I want to be praying. I want to be ready because I want to I be a first-hand witness to whatever Jesus is about to do, whether it's my life or somebody else's. Man, our attitude shift and our gratitude shift and just the way that we look at things would be totally different if we started with awe and reverence of Jesus it would just be so incredible. In those moments, I think Psalm 23, 4 comes alive for the disciples because surely they would have heard this scripture before. And it's very familiar to you. It says this, Though I walk to the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Let that sink into your, your brain and your heart today that no matter what you're with, you should fear no evil because Jesus and God are right there. You have nothing to fear. Solomon writes this in, in Proverbs 14, 26, and 27. He says, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence, and his children have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning people away from the snares of death. So when you start to think, man, it's over. My situation's done. I need to just check out. Let me tell you something. Jesus is going to deliver you from it if you just hang in there. And you will trust him with whatever comes next. You've got, to, you've got to surrender that situation. You've got to surrender those storms. You've got to surrender your life and your heart to Jesus. 
So that when Jesus shows up, you're just sitting in the crowd going, this is amazing. I have the Savior of the world in my corner. I have the Savior of the world in my heart and my life, and I have nothing to fear no matter what devil tries to do to me. What he tries, what he wants to, to tear up, what he wants to mess up, I have the Lord. Man, how incredible that would be to walk through life like that. Amen? So what do we do? First things first. We have to make Jesus the Lord and leader of our life. If you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a bunch of times when I get up to get up here, it doesn't matter what you think or what you feel or what you possibly could dream if Jesus is not a part of it. You think you can handle the situation, you can't. Not without Jesus. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. And it's not because you're unworthy. It's not because you're terrible or you're ignorant. It's just you're taking the wrong resource. You're taking you and you are limited. Take Jesus and he is unlimited. He is eternal. Make him the leader and the Lord of your life. And watch as you develop that relationship. Watch as you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Watch him grow inside of you and in the situations around you. And then you will, you will look back at this scripture and be like, yeah, that was a bad day for the disciples. And I've been through some of those situations where it seemed like all was lost. Man, but Jesus showed up in powerful ways. If I could have anything from you today, if I could just say, make one decision. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life today, let it be the day. Let this be the day that you say, enough's enough. I'm tired of doing my way. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And give your life to Christ. The second thing, and a lot of us are in this situation, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. If, if situations happen, and they will, don't take your eyes off Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? Don't revert to you. You are not the Savior. When things are going great, keep your eyes on Jesus. When you're uncertain about how things are go, keep your eyes on Jesus. When things are literally falling apart around you, keep your eyes on Jesus. Nine years ago, there were some people that, that lost lives and lost homes and lost everything. But Two Rivers Baptist Church got together, soon to become the fellowship of Two Rivers, got together and took Jesus in the neighborhood. You know what they were able to do? Help people turn their eyes back to Jesus, that he still cared, that he still loved, that while they lost a tremendous amount, he still had a great love and a great grace and a great mercy, and he wanted everything about them. Many of you know that because you were either in the storm or you were part of the recovery team that went out into the community. That's how Jesus can show up in powerful ways. But we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. If there is something in your life right now and you are going it by yourself and what you know and you're trying to do things on your own power and your own might, take your eyes off of you and put it on Jesus. And the last thing I would encourage all of us to do we need to remove the fear of certain danger and replace it with a fear that's respectful in all of what Jesus is and who he is. I want to encourage you right now. You may be afraid of something. There may be something in your life right now that you're so scared about. You're not sure how it's going to end up. You're not sure of the outcome. You're not sure what tomorrow may bring. It could blow up in the parking lot on the way out of church. Prayerfully not. But don't fear the danger. Respect the Lord that's going to lead you through that situation. Trust the Lord that's going to lead you through that situation. This morning, we're going to have prayer partners on either side.
They're going to be down here on, on, on both sides of the worship center. We're going to have a, a prayer partner up there in the mezzanine. If there's something that you're afraid of, something that you fear, you are welcome to go to these friends. They're trusted. They're confidential people. And you can pray and just say, hey, I need, I need Jesus to be in my situation because I'm scared. Maybe you need to be in a situation where you accept the Lord and you say, hey, the, the reason I'm so scared is because Jesus is not the center and he's not the Lord of my life. Then you today make him the Lord of your life. Prayer partners will help you with that. I'd be glad to do that. Other staff members in the room, we would love to just sit and talk to you about what the Lord could do for you and how you could grow in a relationship that is eternal and the most fulfilling, satisfying relationship of your lives. You can come and kneel and pray anywhere Pick your favorite zoo animal and just pray. Just remember, we're not praying to the animals. We're praying to Jesus. And you just lift your voice to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to be a part of what's going on. Communion is there. You might want to just in remembrance. We do this in remembrance of him who gave everything. And so maybe that situation could be easily be resolved by you just remembering what the Lord is, who he is, what he's done for you in the past. Man, God is going to be doing some incredible things this week. Let's start it right now by responding to him and saying, no matter what I face and what I'm going through, you, God, you lead the way. Amen?